Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello and welcome to Get Up and Get Moving, a call for leveraging technology to improve health and wellness. My name is Robert Frawley, and on behalf of Tech Global, I am so excited to have you join us today. In this 30-minute breakout session hosted by American Council of the Blind, you'll hear from Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy at ACB, and that's short for American Council of the Blind, Eric Bridges, Executive Director at ACB, Brian Charlson, ACB member, Jeff Bishop, ACB board member, Joshua Flewellen, Agent Manager at IRA, and B. Birchall, Senior Software Engineer at Peloton. Before we begin, a couple of housekeeping items. This session is being recorded and will be available post-event. Towards the end of the session, we will have time for Q&A. When we enter that time, please use the raise my hand feature found in the panelist panel. For those using a screen reader, the keyboard shortcuts to raise your hand and lower your hand are option Y on Mac and alt Y on PC. Our host will then call upon you and you can unmute yourself and ask your question. With that being said, please take it away, Eric Bridges. Well, thank you very much and good morning or good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. Um, again, my name is Eric Bridges, and I'm the Executive Director of the American Council of the Blind, and I'm very pleased to, to be able to present uh, what, I, what I hope will be a, a, an interesting and informative panel this morning. Uh, we, uh, the American Council of the Blind is based in Alexandria, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., and uh, with me this morning is Clark Rackfall. Uh Good morning, Clark. Good morning, Eric. Uh, as well as uh, Brian Charlson in Massachusetts, who happens to be the president of our Massachusetts affiliate, the Bay State Council of the Blind. Good morning, Brian. Good morning there. B. Birchall with Peloton Interactive. Good morning, B. Hi. Jeff Bishop, who is ACB board, board member, but also chairs our Information Access Committee. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Eric. And I believe we... And Joshua Flewellen, oh my goodness, uh, from Ira. Good morning, Josh. Oh, what? sorry. <laughs> I have so many friends named Josh. I, my apologies, Joshua. Um, well, we're here to talk about health and wellness. And while what a year it has been for the world with regard to health and wellness, uh, obviously the, the pandemic has had a significant impact on individuals' mobility being out in the world, it has had an even more severe impact on our community, given the six feet social distancing challenges, uh, as well as the fact that, uh, quite frankly, many in the blind and visually impaired community have uh, pre-existing conditions that would, you know, make them, make folks more likely to contract this, uh, you know, this virus, and when contracting it could, could, you know, really exacerbate other issues. So it has been a challenge for our community. One of the, one of the uh, comorbidity issues that we face and have faced for, for many years is diabetes. Uh, diabetes is a huge challenge that is faced by not just the blind community, but by then, you know, the, the world, society in general. The World Health Organization estimates that one out of 10 individuals has diabetes. 33 million individuals in the US alone have diabetes and a third of them are, are dealing with 
the, the very early effects of diabetic retinopathy. And diabetic retinopathy uh, today is the leading cause of blindness in working age adults in this country. So it is, uh, these are very real problems. The pandemic has uh, further illuminated some of these challenges, uh, as well as how do we get up and get moving, right? That's been a challenge since before the pandemic. It's now a challenge and it will be afterward. I'm very thankful to have uh, representatives here that have worked and are working with the American Council of the Blind and the blind community to assist in ways through making uh, their products accessible and or providing a very useful service to the day-to-day lives of people who are blind. So why don't we get into this since we've got several folks that have uh, what I would consider to be really interesting uh, information and, as well as uh, stories to, to, to tell. We've got Peloton and Ira from the more corporate uh, product and service side. We've got Jeff and, and, and Brian who are the consumer or customer living, you know, having the lived experience of of being blind and uh, also having lived with diabetes. And then Clark, uh, who will talk a lot about the collaborative nature of the American Council of the Blind and what we've done with with Peloton, Ira, and other organizations, and what we what we want to do. So let's get started. B, uh, good morning again. We have you know, for years, I, I think it's easy to, to say, have struggled with equal access to fitness and exercise equipment. Um, question for you, um, you know, what brought Peloton to the, to the table or to the, to the place where you all became interested in making the user interface for your, for your bikes accessible to our community? Yeah, that's a great question. It really came from the community itself. Um, We'd hear from members, so people who would own a Peloton bike who are blind or had low vision and who really loved the bike. It gave them a way to cycle where they couldn't cycle safely previously. It also just provided a home fitness option for them. Um, And they really loved the bike experience. And we'd hear from a number of these members um, and The bike, for people who aren't familiar with it, um, is a home fitness option. It brings the studio cycling experience, studio spin experience to the home, and it has an immersive experience through a touch screen. So the touch screen, of course, would be hard for somebody to access if they couldn't see it or couldn't see it well. Um, And so in order just to get into the class, uh, these blind or low vision members had to rely on the help of somebody else. So they'd sometimes have a household member. Perhaps the household member would have been the one who had initially purchased the bike. Um, Then they would find they really liked it, but they'd need to get a household member to help them. Or it's a nice coincidence that we have someone from Ira here. Um, Ira and Be My Eyes were also services that people would use. And they really appreciate being able to use that. But what we'd hear from them is they really wish they could just get into that class independently. So that was really the motivation for this project. Um, And the reason it mattered so much to us is because it ties back into our foundational values about putting members first. And these aren't things, all companies have these values that they say, hey, but I think people really believe these and try to draw out the consequences of them. Uh, So we really care about putting members first, 
We care about having an inclusive community and helping people to be the best version of where, of themselves. Outstanding. And, and what has the feedback been like from the community and how has it been to, to, to engage and work uh, with the community, um, not just on this initial stuff, but it's my understanding that you all are are looking ahead as well for future um, releases for, for different things as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, that's actually been very rewarding. Um, personally, it's been one of the most fun parts of working on this project. Um, it's been extremely valuable. So the initial motivation, as I said, came from the community. Um, and it's been important to collaborate with the community at every step of the process. Um, so before, so we gathered input from community members, um, also including American Council of the Blind. We talked to Clark. Clark was really helpful. Clark, who's on this call, was really helpful in giving us some input. Um, another group, Foundation Fighting Blindness. We talked to some members there. Um, and we made a decision to release the screen reader as quickly as we could so that we could continue to gather feedback to inform refinements to the project. Um, so after we released it um, relatively recently, back in July, um, and then we had a usability study immediately after that um, that we collaborated with uh, accessibility, an external accessibility specialist, DQ. They were really great to work with if anyone else is looking for somebody to collaborate with. Um, and they helped us design a usability study, which was also had its very interesting challenges in the COVID era, because normally you'd bring people in-house to test, but we had to do all this remotely. It actually worked out very well. Um, and we gathered a lot of input on things that people would like to improve, what were the pain points, what did people like the best, and so on. Um, and yeah, the feedback was all extremely rewarding. Um, it was very motivating for our team because we would come directly in contact with people who were just thrilled to have a way to interact with the bike independently. And they were also, also people wrote us, reached out and wrote messages. People independent of the study would write in messages to us about how now they truly felt seen and they really felt like they were part of the community. Um, yeah, so this has been a very valuable part of the project. Outstanding. Well, it's been great to partner with you and, and we look forward to continuing to, to work with you into 2021. And thank you again, B, for, for being with us this morning. Absolutely. Uh, Joshua, to you, uh, would love it if you could talk, uh, number one, just at a very high level briefly about IRA and what it is for those that may not be aware. But then uh, as well, uh, really the kind of the twofold component of being able to uh, assist an individual out in the world with navigation, what that's been like in particular during the pandemic. Um, but then also from a, you know, from a, a, a medical standpoint, uh, you know, the, the use of TeamViewer and what uh, IRA agents can bring to the table with regard to accessibility for individuals who are um, maybe dealing with a, you know, a health portal or other sorts of uh, technological challenges, or maybe even just print documents uh, from their doctor. So again, welcome. Yeah, thanks, Eric. This is, again, Joshua, an agent manager from IRA. So uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with IRA, and I was scrolling through the participants and I saw some names that I recognize, people who I've gotten to speak with, um, IRA is a smartphone app that allows you to connect with a live 
remote agent on demand at any time, 24 seven, um, who's able to provide auditory descriptions of whatever your smartphone camera may be pointed at. And so everything from use cases of reading the mail to uh, like Eric was saying, getting out into the world and exploring, which is where our name for our customers comes from, Ira Explorers. Um, Eric, it's been really interesting how Ira has uh, been able to show up during this pandemic. Um, So much of the information that from the start was being uh, delivered visually from um, pandemic information on TVs, being all visual to diagrams being mailed. Um, You had HOAs that were printing out flyers and, and passing them around. And when all this information is visual, a part of the community is just not getting that information. Um, you had stores putting up social distancing markings. Um, and so Ira really uh, became an important tool to provide that visual information that really early on in the pandemic, as everyone tried to get their wits around them, um, and even still now, um, provide that access to that information. And so one, one example, um, right now, Ira is uh, working with Starbucks to test our service inside all of their stores. One thing that they're really interested in is how can Ira be a tool to allow uh, social distancing information while in their stores, recognizing that there isn't really a great way for them to build in that accessibility without having one of their uh, employee partners uh, be an active role in in anyone's uh, visit to that Starbucks. Um, In the greater health uh, space, Ira has always seen, and I've had the opportunity to work first as an agent and now even still as a manager, continue to uh, take calls on a weekly basis and see how our Explore community continues to use Ira for health-related activities. So seeing AI is a great um, tool for reading a prescription off of a bottle, but the moment it becomes smudged or scratched, the uh, AI can have trouble reading that that prescription label. And a pair of uh, eyes are able to better deduce what those scratched letters may be and and successfully read that prescription. Um, I had the pleasure when I was uh, working regularly as an agent Around six o'clock every evening, I got the call from the same explorer who needed to read their uh, inaccessible blood glucose monitor. It was always a 45 second call, never long at all. It was just, hey, here's a glucose monitor. Can you read the number? Read the number. And the call ended. And it was it was wonderful getting to getting to have that just like split second interaction each day with that person, recognizing how important that visual information was to them. Um, uh, Eric, you were talking earlier about um, the use of exercise equipment, and um, it happens every day that we are helping explorers, less so now that uh, the pandemic has a lot of health fitness centers closed, but helping them to read those displays on um, fitness equipment, be an elliptical or a treadmill, help them change the speed of the treadmill, help them tell them how many calories they had burned during that workout session. Um, the uh, The great thing about Ira is it gives you independence on on your time. So however your health routine or schedule 
may change throughout your day, your week, throughout your life, IRA is a tool that you can access without needing to uh, call upon another individual or, uh, or service. Um, we have uh, explorers who might be in unfamiliar situations and it's hard, A, in a pandemic, or B, just when you're, when you're somewhere new, to get out and go exercise if you're unfamiliar with the area that you're in. And uh, one thing that Ira always has access to is your GPS location, a map of where you're at, um, and paired with the visual information from your camera, we're able to help explorers navigate the world, um, be it just the casual stroll through your neighborhood to navigating big downtown cities, intersections, and such. Or even if you are feeling real fit one day and wanting a sighted guide to come along with you for your run. Um, so the last thing that you had asked about, Eric, was um, was TeamViewer and health portals. And it's so interesting because just a couple of days I was talking to an individual. And one thing that Ira works really hard to do is to partner with other um, companies and corporations to provide our service to explorers at no cost, um, recognizing that it is very expensive and it is very labor intensive to build accessibility. Um, accessibility as a right um, and, a, and access to visual information as a right um, is worth every penny that's spent. Um, IRA is kind of an automatic unlock for a lot of places, but um, the explorer was remarking how challenging it is to access their virtual health records as well as um, get into a lot of the telehealth video portals um, that have uh, little tiny, tiny bits of inaccessibility, but it only takes that one small piece of inaccessibility that really keeps someone from being able to access. And so Ira's committed to partnering with uh, companies and corporations to help unlock their... Um, I'll help unlock their technology to make it more accessible for the community. Excellent. Yeah, I've uh, I've personally taken advantage of uh, actually both both ends of of Ira this year dealing with health and, and wellness, both the navigation component with the social distancing, as well as uh, the use of TeamViewer for health records. So I can I can vouch for for some of the challenges that exist in the. Uh, in the healthcare world, trying to independently access uh, one's own health data. So Joshua, thanks so much for being here this morning. Jeff and Brian, uh, Jeff Bishop, um, actually the, the, the two of you have, you know, I've known for over a decade and have watched over the last year, uh, literal changes in the two of you. And wondering if each of you could sort of share your story uh, in terms of uh, diabetes and how you were able to utilize uh, technology to, to take back your, your health. Uh, Jeff, why don't we start with you? All right, great. Thank you, Eric. Um, you know, uh, about 20 years ago, I, I got diagnosed with diabetes and I went and saw uh, a, a number of doctors, in, including a nephrologist. And the nephrologist told me, you know, that if I did not change things, uh, you know, and get things right, um, I probably wouldn't live to see 55. So this has always been something that has uh, been 
looming over my head for for quite a long time and for years i've been wanting to to solve this problem and i got very very serious about this uh the last couple of years and have lost uh, a, a total of about 130 pounds over the last year um and and what do i uh devote this to well i i, I devote it to uh persistence and and utilizing technology to assist me in that goal um one one of the key things in, and i'm sure brian's going to talk a lot about this too but one of the key factors in managing diabetes for me was the invention of the freestyle libre system uh, there have been other systems like dexcom and things like that 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 were available but those were and still do not allow you to completely and fully independently uh check your glucose without having to have sighted assistance at least with pairing the the sensors and it it was as evolutionary as the iphone was to the blind and visually impaired community to be able to be independent in doing this so that was phase one um phase two the the invention of the the apple watch and the the strong health guidance that's used throughout the apple ecosystem has played a pivotal role in assisting me in achieving my goals uh, i now walk between five to seven miles a day uh, and on the weekends, sometimes a little bit more and burn between, uh, 800 and 1100 calories a day in, in doing that, um, doing that process. It seems like every time I'm on the phone with you, Jeff, you're walking. <laughs> I am walking everywhere. Yes. I, I, yes. Uh, I, I'm like Forrest Gump. He ran, I walk. Uh, and, um, and so I, I did that along with some other medical interventions to be able to assist me in, in obtaining this goal. And I'm now uh, at, a, uh, at a BMI of what well, fluctuates a little bit, but about 27 with a body fat percentage of 26, um, which, is, which is almost uh, in perfect range of, of being you know, ideal health. So uh, I've got a little bit more to go. But uh, I'm on that journey. And I think that the great thing about the Apple Watch is it really, first of all, motivates you in pushing you forward to be able to uh, want to achieve more and to, to really also compete with others in a friendly and, and fun way uh, that, that you, you know, people that you know, and they can motivate you and send you messages. And not only that, but you get direct access to lots of health data in a very accessible and inclusive way, and including even lab results where you can actually download lab results from your doctor directly on the iPhone and view them in, a, in an accessible way. So this has been just a life-changing thing for me. And it's not just uh, a, a whim, it's, it's now a lifestyle for me, and I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. But I'll end by saying this, that my approach is not necessarily the approach that's right for everyone. So each and every person needs to evaluate what is right for him or her. The, the goal is to get out and do something. That's what's really most important. Absolutely. And in point of fact, the National Eye Institute uh, states that 95% of, of diabetes cases can be eliminated by the individual just managing their own health well, right? So that right. is that is something that 
you know, getting out and doing something, as you said, is just, it's so important and being able to monitor your progress. Yeah. And if you, and yeah, and if you do it right, and if you, if you really are persistent at it, uh, I'm now off all diabetes medication and now have an A1C of 5.2, which is within the normal range without any medication. So I'm pretty proud of that too. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jeff. Uh, Brian, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about your your history uh, and and dealing with diabetes? But I'm also interested um, in hearing where where the gaps exist still in being able to manage one's own health who who is either blind or visually impaired. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. I have to say that um, my diabetes journey hasn't been as long or as uh, abrupt, if you will, as Jeff's. But about seven years ago, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes during a regular annual physical. And my uh, healthcare system said, well, because you're blind and normally what we do is we provide a glucose uh, monitor device to every patient who's diagnosed like this, and we know you can't use that device, we're going to accommodate you by inviting you to come visit us twice a day for the rest of your life so that we could take your, your glucose levels. And at the time, because I worked for a blindness agency, I already knew quite a bit about what technologies were available for a blind person. So I I made a real point of insisting that my healthcare provider do some exploration on my behalf to teach themselves for this, because I happen to live in Watertown, Massachusetts, which is the home of the Perkins School for the Blind. So we actually have quite a large blindness population that would be using this same clinic. So I nonetheless pushed that and eventually received a talking glucose monitor from them. Uh, It had a couple of problems, of course, just like everybody else who likes to stick themselves two or three times a day. Uh, But the bigger issue was lining up that little drop of blood with that test strip in a way that wouldn't make the result inaccurate. It was a a number of years later that I came across the uh, Freelance Libra device and couldn't be happier than how that affected the management of my diabetes. I was able to bring myself down from uh, being insulin dependent to not needing to use insulin any longer. Uh, I was able to lose 75 pounds just because I was paying attention to what I ate and how it affected my blood sugar. Rather than something that I did just before or after a meal, it's something I did casually throughout the day. I also added to that the use of uh, CVS Caremark, who labels my medication for me in Braille through that service. So all of the medications that I use in combination, uh, I'm fully managing the ordering of it, the knowing that I'm taking the right dose at the right time and doing all of my re-prescriptions and those kinds of things, all doing that independently. And independent is part of it, but the other part of it is private. So much of a blind person's health management has been something that happens in the waiting room of the doctor's office, filling out forms, um, waiting for somebody to tell you the next thing that you need to do and doing it orally so that other people in the waiting room can hear it. I have a talking scale that I get on on a regular basis. Uh, But before I even step on that scale, I turn on the shower, I turn on the sink, I flush the toilet and step on it (laughs) so that nobody else in the neighborhood can hear my talking scale announce the good news of the day. 
this past year, I did the other way around. I opened the door and opened the window so everybody could hear. But it tells you that it's a matter of privacy, it's a matter of independence, and it's also a matter of accuracy in what you get. So much of the technology we used to use was wrong by as much as 10%, which might not seem like much, but when you're talking about things like, are you having a low blood sugar event or not, that matters a great deal. So I'm, I'm in love with the whole idea of this technology helping me do this for myself. I use a combination, not a single thing. I do use an iPhone and an Apple Watch. The app that comes along with the Libre is not fully accessible because some of the information it displays is graphical. Thank you, Ira, for being there and available to describe those graphics to me so that I can tell how much of the day I'm in the right range rather than only knowing what my averages are. Just a combination of all of these things make a real difference. We're in a transitional time where technology changes so rapidly that frequently accessibility is forgotten and bolted on after the fact. That has not been the case with the Libre. That has not been the case with the Apple Watch. It has not been the case with a number of other devices. And some people get back on that bandwagon or bicycle rather quickly. I'm still keeping my old treadmill alive with baling wire and chewing gum uh, because it has real buttons and not a screen. It's a solo activity and not one of the interactive activities, but I hope that uh, the Peloton is under this year's Christmas tree. Right on. Hey, Eric. Uh, yes. I, I, I wanted to just mention here that, that while we've seen a lot of invention here in technology that is assisting people to be able to achieve more and be able to you know, get great, uh, you know, you know, uh, goals achieved. We have a long way to go here. Um, we have pumps that are not accessible. We have uh, the meter that ships with the Freestyle Libre is not accessible. So there is urgent need by the health industry to step up their game and do more to make all things accessible so that people don't have to buy $1,000 iPhones or $800 Android phones to be able to achieve health. Health should be a given right for everyone and an accessible one. And so we, we, you know, we as advocates need to be continuing to push the health industry and the makers of these devices, but these makers of these devices need to step up and do the right thing. You're absolutely right. Devices. Sometimes it's the system itself. <clears throat> you shouldn't have to have somebody in a doctor's office come out and sit down and say, let me help you fill out this form. First, have you had any sexually transmitted diseases? Privacy really matters. It's a human interface as much as it is a technology interface. That's right. That's also true for the insurance industry. While I use the Libre, it costs me $70 a month because my insurance carrier refuses to pay for it because I am no longer insulin dependent they penalize me by saying they won't pay for it. So we have a lot of way to go in a variety of different ways. I say it's never been a better time to be a blind person, but we are not by any means uh, through the red zone. No, we're not. There are still significant gaps. And my my challenge that I'm throwing down here is for the, the health and fitness as well as healthcare industry to come and work with us the American Council of the Blind to ensure that the delivery of their products and services are accessible. Um, and finally, to, to, to sort of 
back cleanup here is Clark Rackfall. Uh, Clark, why don't you talk a little bit about the collaborative uh, nature of the organization that we work for, as well as some of the successes that, that we're experiencing in working with other organizations. Yeah, thank you, Eric. And wow, thank you, Jeff and Brian, for sharing your personal experiences and um, just with everyone. Kudos to both of you for taking charge um, of your lives and uh, having this tremendous success that you have. I also want to thank Joshua um, and Ira for joining us here today. And I think B undersold the work that Peloton has been doing a little bit. Um, and just to, to brag on how ACB has been able to collaborate with Peloton, not only is their user interface uh, accessible with the Google TalkBack screen reader, but it's something that you know, we, we heard Jeff and Brian talking about where even when you have accessibility, you may need sighted assistance or IRA uh, to fill in those gaps. Well, the Peloton has created it so that a person who's experiencing vision loss or someone who's blind can launch the screen reader independently. What a, what a uh, big step and what a great word, independence. Uh, it's within the mission statement of ACB to provide greater independence for people who are blind and low vision. Collaboration is one of our core values. And again, thank you, uh, B and Peloton and Joshua and Ira for collaborating with ACB and the blindness community to uh, move technology forward, help fill those inaccessible gaps in health and wellness and health and exercise. And as Jeff and Brian said, there's still plenty of work to be done. Uh, so we'll continue these efforts, collaborating with companies in the exercise and fitness space. But it's a bigger issue than that. It's a bigger issue than healthcare. There are systemic environmental barriers to people who are blind and people experiencing vision loss getting up and getting moving. Uh, we're certainly happy to work with companies and work with government whenever possible. For example, yesterday, the Department of Transportation announced their uh, final service animal policy, uh, which ACB and our members certainly had a hand in helping craft. But there are also times when um, you know government is not responsive or corporations are not responsive. And we've experienced that also this year. Um, the ACB of New York was successful in a lawsuit against the city of New York and bringing accessible pedestrian signals and working through the court system to ensure that the city will provide those so that people with vision loss, people who are blind, you know, don't have to rely on a sighted companion to safely navigate the streets of their neighborhood or their way to and from work. You know, we, we've seen public transit systems stressed here during the pandemic. I'm sure that will continue going forward. So we'll continue to collaborate with companies whether it's rideshare companies, public transit systems, autonomous vehicles, to ensure that people who are blind and low vision can get up, get moving, get to their doctor's office when needed, and again, do so independently. Eric, there's also tremendous opportunities we heard to collaborate, as well as uh, you know other options when necessary to ensure, like Joshua was saying, that telehealth services are accessible to people who are blind and low vision or that's using a service like IRA, ensuring that those systems are WCAG compatible and accessible via screen readers. We've also had a big shift towards tablets and kiosks in the healthcare industry. 
And so folks like Brian don't have to share their personal health information, whether that's HIPAA information or just personally identifiable information, or frankly, just information they don't want the rest of the world to know that they don't have to shout it at the top of their lungs in a clinic or a lab waiting room, that they can interact with the check-in systems, the registration systems, and access their electronic health records equal to all other patients. So ACB and our members will still be quite active in this area. We will still engage with corporations and government, and we will use all levers at our disposal to ensure that accessibility is not a bolt-on after the fact, but that the community is consulted, that we can collaborate, and that we can include accessibility and usability from the start and ensure that it's a priority going forward. Outstanding. Thank you, Clark. Uh, I think we might have time for one question. It's, this was a packed panel. Uh, Cindy, are there any? Yeah, you do. You have one person that's had her hand raised the whole time. Right. Uh, before I go to Diane, uh, can I just mention really quickly about community events and some Absolutely. of what we're doing? Uh, we have five events every week that take place uh, that uh, are yoga on Mondays and Wednesdays, resistance bands on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and uh, those are done by Leslie Spoon, who is an, uh, a certified aerobics instructor. Um, and then we also have Angel Eyes Fitness, who comes in on Saturdays and does kickboxing and, you know, other uh, types of events to get people moving. So I uh, just wanted to mention that. And if you're not uh, part of our community events, you can join. Certainly just send me an email at community at acb.org. And I can put you on our email list. And we send out a daily email each morning with that day's schedule. And all of that um, is through Zoom. I do not know what happened to Diane. She had her hand up. She doesn't anymore. Mm -hmm. And I did not put it down. Diane, if you still wanted to ask your question, if you want to raise your hand. Um, nope, there's no hands up. All right. So. Well, thank you, Cindy. And thank you for the, uh, the community event uh, publicity. It's been a, a great um, form of engagement that we've experienced this year with our members in the broader community. So, well, hey, uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. Uh, learn more about the American Council of the Blind at acb.org and get up and get moving. Have a good day.